The MMA Gambling Podcast on the Sports Gambling Podcast Network is presented by WinBet. Get started today and you'll get a risk-free bet of up to $500. Terms and conditions apply, but get the details at wynnbet.com and download the app today. We're also brought to you by BetQL. Your bracket may bust, but your bankroll never has to with BetQL. Use promo code MARCH30 for 30% off the entire year of BetQL. That's BetQL promo code MARCH30. We're also brought to you by OddsCrowd. OddsCrowd has a ton of free fantasy betting contests, including a $2,000 season-long MLB contest and a $500 weekly contest. Download their app today at sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash odds. That's sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash odds. We're also brought to you by Better Than Vegas. Better Than Vegas is the home for free daily video picks from the SGPN crew. It's like YouTube for sports gambling. Make sure to subscribe to our profile at sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash BTV. That's sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash BTV. We're also brought to you by PicksWise. Follow the PicksWise Capper Contest at PicksWise.com for free picks and analysis throughout the tournament from the likes of John Rothstein, Rashad Phillips, Jeff Nadu, and more. See which expert is trending hot as they battle it out for a winner-takes-all $10,000 prize over at PicksWise.com. And finally, we're also brought to you by Better Edge. Better Edge operates like a stock exchange for the sports world. Pick teams you like and have someone else by the other side of that bet. Sign up at BetterEdge.com, promo code SGP, for a free $10 play. That's B-E-T-T-O-R edge.com, promo code SGP. And we're back, baby. Back in your dirty, filthy ear holes, which you still haven't cleaned, I see. Uh, thank you for listening. Thank you for returning Thank you for making your debut listen, perhaps. This is the MMA Gambling Podcast on the Sports Gambling Podcast Network. Uh, this would be episode 24. 24. My, that would be uh, my mom's former favorite player on the Phoenix Suns, Tom Chambers, because she thought he had sexy, sexy, sexy legs. So we'll dedicate this one to number 24, Tom Chambers. I, uh, I, I also I'm, noticed hmm. that, that basketball players are now wearing the, the shorts that allow you to see their sexy, sexy legs more. There you go. It's coming back in style. Now, you didn't just hear a voice because that person knows he's not allowed to speak until he is uh, formally introduced. So you definitely did not just hear my co-host interrupt my my um, introduction because he, he would not do that. He's a professional broadcaster who has two other two other podcasts. He knows that is a, a big uh, faux pas. So you definitely didn't hear that. Um I'm Jeff Fox, and I'll introduce myself. I am your host here at this awesome show, uh, the most popular show on all of uh, the podcast world, actually. Um, last week, I think I said we had 3.5 billion listeners. I think we're up to 3.75 billion listeners. So thank you for for listening to the podcast. This is quite shocking that that many people want to listen to it. But um, once again, this is the MMA Gambling Podcast. We talk about people beating each other up and how we can make money off it. So real, real slimy, degenerate stuff. Um, you can also read my work at sportsgamblingpodcast.com and you can check out my MMA exclusive site, mma-manifesto.com for all your MMA needs. Um, the rude person you heard, uh, his name's Dan- Daniel Gumby Vreeland. Um, he is my co-host, co-pilot, my Rebel, perhaps you could call him. Um, 
I got the best of him last week, which we will definitely speak of uh, today. But let's actually introduce him because he's apparently very talkative today. Here's uh, Daniel Gumby Reeland. Hi, Dan. Hey. Hey, you know, when you have an opportunity to talk about the 90s short shorts coming back, I feel like I can't pass that up, though, right? No. Dan uh, Dan likes himself some uh, – we know he likes hashtag chunky guys, but he likes uh, apparently chunky guys with short shorts. No, no, not combined, though. Separate. They have All right, well. individual terms – we can have chunky guys, and, and we can have short shorts, but we can't have who's the who's the big heavyweight Brazilian dude? Jarzinho Rosenstrike no, had the short shorts. He did have short yes, shorts. Um, there was a big Brazilian though. It looked like he was wearing a diaper. Do you remember what I'm talking yes, about? Yes, yes, uh, I do. Fought, I can't remember his name he though. Andre Ar- oh, Junior Albini. That's his name. Right. Yes. <laughs> yes. yes. That's that's yes. what happens when you combine the two, and it's not good. <laughs> Good times, yes, good times. Uh, Dan also, like I mentioned before, he is a professional bar- broadcaster because um, he actually makes a – I figure if you make even a cent, then that makes you a professional. So you're definitely a professional broadcaster, um, not just co-piloting this one, but the Top Turtle MMA podcast with his uh, co-host, Luchador Mast. Uh, prop comic. He's another um, carrot top. That guy. Uh, that would be a shockwave. Shockwave Dave. And then he's got the prelim picker podcast, which he uh, breaks out prelims on. So, yes, uh, you you have a couple professionals here. That's for sure. And we're also professionals when it comes to picking fights, because we're actually after starting the year off in the toilet. Even worse than what's uh, the sewer? I guess is worse than the toilet. Um, we have turned things around the past what month or so. Um, I went eight and two uh, this past weekend. Dan went seven and three. Um, the only fight we differed on was the curtain jerkin opener, and I of course got that right because I roll with a Canadian like I always do, <laughs> and and the Canadian came through. Um, so I was up because first of all, if you haven't listened before. Um, you are required to bet $100 of whatever currency you uh, uh, of your country of choice. Uh, you need to bet $100 on every fight, um, on every fight card. So if you did that last night, you made $254 from me, and you made, what, 64 bucks from Dan. So um, we got robbed. We'll talk, we'll talk about this. But we, uh, we got robbed, or we, we, we got robbed on our, on our one underdog. Um, we'll talk about that soon, but, yeah, but we should be up a lot more. So... Basically, over the last, what, Dan's gone 9-6, 7-3, 9-1, 7-3. and, six, seven and, three, nine and, one, seven and three. So that is quite a run. Um, I've gone 8-2, and 6-4, and, and 8-2 and two over the last three weeks. So Dan stretches an extra week uh, longer than mine. So, um, But we're still, we're both on a hashtag heater, uh, to say the least. Um, but just to show you how horrible things were, if, if you are a newer listener, um, First of all, th- thank yourself for making that choice not to listen earlier on in the year because um, even after this hot streak for the year, I am at 62 and 56. I'm at 53%, which isn't so hot, but it's a lot better than where I was. Um, still down 2,400 bucks, uh, which is like 20% loss on my money. Dan still is not above 500 yet, even after like a month of, of <laughs> like incredible results, basically. He's at 58 and 60, 49%. He's down a little less money than me, though, because he, he's hit some big dogs, which I'm sure he's never going to let us live down. He hit a plus 275 dog two weeks ago, which I'm sure he'll probably bring up at some point today. Um, so he's down 2,300 bucks, 19%. Um, and we'll um, – let's just get, in, let's get into the locks right off the bat, Dan. Uh, since we've done uh, quote-unquote lock picks – 
which basically, if you're not a true hashtag degen and you don't have $100 to spend in every fight, um, I don't know who, I don't know anyone like that. Everyone I know, that's at least 100 on a fight. But if you're one of those people, that's fine. Uh, we understand. We're, we're not going to discriminate. If you're one of those people, we give you a lock pick every week. So basically the, the, the bet we're most uh, secure on, the, the one we're most comfortable in, in making. Um, since we've done that first week, both our fights fell, fell through because hashtag COVID, hashtag pandemic. Um, so since that time, I've got 4-0. I'm up 237 bucks, 59 percent. Dan has got one right. It's one in three. He's down 240 bucks. He's down 60 percent. And um, his lock uh, this past weekend uh, didn't even last a minute in the cage. So um, I really want to rub this in. My wife suggests <laughs> I don't, which I tweeted out. She's just I. Because Dan's not going to be my friend anymore, but she she doesn't understand the bro code, man. Um, <laughs> I have to let him have it. Uh, your pick, guy, KTFO'd in less than a minute. Your lock pick yeah, last night. Yeah, and it's weird, too, because like you said, I, I've been on a heater. I seem to not be getting hardly anything wrong, but every single week it's the person I'm the most sure about, which is, man, I, I don't know what to say other than... Uh, at least with this one, like last week when I, I missed on JP Bays losing to Bruno Silva, Bruno Silva looked better than JP Bays the whole time. In this one, at least I can say, well, it was a 46 second fight. You know, people get caught. Uh, so I'm going to go, that's going to be my official excuse on this one. People get caught. <laughs> yeah. He, he Kamaworthy did not have enough time to, to look bad in the cage. Cause he got, he got, uh, KO'd on, uh, on the night where we had some had some nice KOs, he um, he got KO fast, but his uh, JB Malarkey did not get a fifty thousand dollar bonus, so he probably thinks that is a bunch of what Dan Malarkey. Hey, yeah, see what you go. did there. That's hey, another thing. I have to say too. I, I was looking at those performance bonuses, and and maybe I'm wrong. You know, tell me I'm wrong here. But is it wild that they gave one to Sean O'Malley? Because um, it was yeah, a good but, knockout, but th- there were yeah. way better finishes than that. I, I, I think it's more wild that um, that Woodley and Luke was fight of the night when it, it barely, barely was even a fight. It, it barely minutes. lasted. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But, but maybe maybe we'll get all, into all that. We'll we'll break down the card um, first. Uh, I want to tell you about one of our awesome sponsors, WinBet. They are back with us again. Uh, College Hoops is back, and WinBet is live, bringing you the action of real sports betting and online casino play, all produced by Win Las Vegas. Get in on all your favorite teams, Cinderella stories, and tournament upsets. Don't miss out on the madness. Generous promos, odds, and parlays are happening right now at WinBet. Get started today, and you'll receive a special offer of up to $500 risk-free sports bet. Terms and conditions apply. Get the details at wynnbet.com and download the app today. I see they have my Phoenix Suns favorite again on Sunday afternoon by about six points, which I think is um, which is a ridiculously low line. But by the time you listen to this, that, that won't be on the board because the game will be over and the Suns will be a comfortable 15-point winner by that point. But anyhow, make sure you head over to WinBet. Download the app. All that, all that jazz. Um, all right, so... We're talking about obviously UFC 260, Miocic versus Inganu 2. Doesn't have any of the other fancy alternative names that, that I like to mention every week. So, uh, the podcast is going to be a little bit shorter, uh, due to that. I feel like we're basically, we really buried the lead here, obviously. Um, we haven't talked one bit about 
about the most important thing that happened last night, the, the most talked about thing, the most debated, discussed, analyzed, um, stuff like that. Um, that, of course, is uh, Stipe Miocic's hair. Was that a, um, <laughs> was that a, con- a conscious decision or was it just a, a happy accident? I, I don't know what that was. And it was funny, too, because, like, as he was coming out, to my wife looked at me and she's like, "What's going on with his hair?" <laughs> and it's like just so noticeable because even as he was like, you know, getting checked over as about to enter the cage, it looked like it looked like Bill Murray and Kingpin almost for a second there. Right. You know, when he like celebrates the strike and the the um, toupee flies up, it, it's not a toupee, but it like had that same no. sort of effect. <laughs> it's almost like. He almost had like a line shape down the middle of it, almost. Um, maybe he's balding. Who knows? Um, I, I, I'm not one to judge there. Let me tell you. Um, but yeah, it's um, as as uh, Shockwave uh, tweeted out on your on the Top Turtle uh, Twitter. He had uh, he had bad head um, heading into the cage, and I said that's probably uh, he probably knew not to bother um, not to bother combing it because he was going to be put to put to sleep again in, in a few minutes. Boom boom. And sure enough, he was. And sure enough, he was. Um, yeah, Francis Ngannou looked uh, fantastic last night, uh, as scary as ever. Um, probably more scary because of a couple things. He, he was patient, and he has some wrestling defense now. He he stuffed Stipe's. He didn't just stuff his takedown attempt, but he he started unleashing on him. Um, got on top of him, started unleashing on him when Stipe was trying to to uh, take him down. So that's, that makes him even more scary if that's even possible. Yeah. And, and, you know, everybody's talking about the big KO, right? And they're saying, you know, Oh man, he looks so patient and he looks so devastating with the hands again, which we've always known, right? Like we've always known he's the big power puncher. The thing for me about that takedown defense is a, not only was it good, but it was also, it didn't look like he was frantic at any point in time, right? Like he didn't look like he was like, Oh shit! This is happening. Uh, I gotta move quick. I gotta move quick because I'm oh, I'm really bad at this. He just looked comfortable. It was technical. He he dug his underhook. He uh, dropped his hips on a sprawl really easy. And I think the thing people aren't talking about enough is he then became offensive, not just with punches. He also Matt returned Stipe Miocic. Like, he got right. credit for a takedown in that fight, and Stipe did not. Like, that is right. terrifying. That is one of the scariest things that every heavyweight in the world should feel right now. This dude now is good at wrestling. And we talked about it before, right? Like, this was the big question mark. Like, did he get better? Because we don't know. You know, like his last four fights have lasted less time than this whole fight did, right? Like, uh, yep. and, and by a mile. So... Not only did we get to see, yes, it has gotten better since the last time he fought, but, man, the the amount it's gotten better is just – I mean, I said it already. It's terrifying. And he was throwing leg kicks too, which is another – I don't remember him doing that in the past year. He was almost strictly a boxer, was he not? Yeah, and I, – oh, man. You, I mean, like every single time I'm, I'm thinking about this fight or I'm seeing highlights of this fight, I, I seem to forget another piece, but you're right. He threw yeah. a couple of leg kicks in there, and, and Stipe going back to his corner in between the first and second round looked to favor that lead leg a little bit, too. And, and I don't know if I'm just reading stuff into it, but I've, like, made a mental note of it at the time that, like, is it going to be harder for him to hit a takedown, you know, first of all, given that Francis has already stuffed him and made him look bad, 
but second of all, because also his leg is going to be jacked up. Um, and I guess we will never know how jacked up it was. It's, it's certainly more jacked up now that he fell back on it that way. But uh, oh yeah, he he had he had this stanky leg uh, knockout, almost not quite as bad as Rashad Evans, but yeah, it wasn't pretty. It was right up there with Rashad Evans in um, the Gabriel Gonzaga Mirka Krokop knockout yeah. too, where his ankle yeah. just spun all the way around. Definitely wasn't as bad as either of those two, but it was up there. And yeah, so I mean, like when you add in the fact that he's patient kicking, you know, has good takedown defense, seems to have some takedown offense. Man, like, he wins for me being a guy who's scary because he's an athletic heavyweight and went to being, like, this dude is, like, deservedly in pound-for-pound list now because not only is he scary, he also looked very good otherwise. Yeah, the the fact that he is seems to be fastly improving – fastly and vastly um improving is yeah is definitely um definitely impressive and and frightening if if you're a heavyweight um not to mention the fact that the two guys um other than the 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 discrepancy with their hair um also they looked like they were in different weight classes because basically they were um Stipe was like 30 pounds lighter but they yeah the the size that um Ninganu has it's we may be seeing an arms race like we did back in the Brock Lesnar days where everyone's going to try their hardest to get up to 265, like when Frank Mir uh, seriously, <laughs> miraculously all of a sudden put on a whole bunch of weight just out of the blue. Um, it's a little, probably a little harder to do that nowadays um, with with the uh, USADA testing in place. I'm not, not accusing anyone in the past of, of uh, using drugs to, to put on like 30 pounds of muscle in a couple months, but um, I'm thinking maybe we're going to see a new, um, the new era of, even though the Lesnar one didn't last very long, there was a time there where everyone was trying to, to get as close to 265 as they could. It, it's certainly possible. I will say, though, it seems to have been a conscious effort of Stipe to move it the other direction for a while, right? Yeah, he he was much, much leaner, yeah. Yeah, because not only was he much leaner for this fight, too, if you remember the difference between him when he got knocked out by DC and the subsequent wins, I'm pretty sure he dropped weight in both of those fights, too. And, like, the the notable difference in the second fight when he won was that, like, oh, he's quicker, oh, he's got better cardio, oh, he can put it on DC late, which he did with the body shots and all that kind of stuff. Um, and obviously he didn't need as much of that cardio in the third one. But, like, yeah, he, he he seemed to be making a conscious effort to go down a little bit, which is interesting and, like, an interesting choice. But I, I think maybe you're right. We might see a new generation of guys trying to get big, but but it's also interesting, too, because a lot of the guys who are up and coming in this division, with the exception of maybe Tom Aspinall, uh, aren't really big guys, right? Like, Chris Dawkins is, like, what, 230? And, and, like, not a bulky 230 either. Um, so, yeah, it, it'll be interesting to see what people start to do to try to counter what he's got. Because, man, it, it, if he fights like he did last night... I don't see a whole lot of people giving him trouble. We demand our hashtag chunky guys. I, Dan and I both are pleading, please, everyone, bulk up. We don't, don't want don't any. Bulk any uh, don't bulk up. Bulk up with pizza or, or ice cream. Exactly. Or, yeah, yeah, that kind of bulk up. <laughs> exactly. All right, let's um, let's quickly talk about um, Stipe, and then what we'll talk about what's next with with Francis. Um, 
So I take it Michael Stipe Miocic back to REM being the lead singer. <laughs> you think? Uh, Michael, you get, Michael, Michael Stipe, get it? I, I Stipe. get it. I get it. It's an REM. Yeah, you're, you're all, you're all, are you I'm old, old enough to, I'm old to enough for that, that one. Yeah, I'm old enough okay. for REM. All right. Anyhow, um, so I – who knows if we're, ever, if we're even going to see him fight again. He, he's, he's a full-time firefighter. He has a young family. He's pretty much accomplished everything he can in the sport. Um, do you think we've – seen the end of him or is it too early to tell oh man it's interesting to me because so it did seem already like maybe he was possibly getting ready to to be done right like the the gaps between his fights seem to be getting longer you know he's only fought france and dc over the last like 100 years so I yeah, three years yeah yeah it's been it's been three years since he fought somebody yep. other than them you know and, the, and and if you look at the rankings right now this is the craziest thing if you look at the UFC rankings right now he has no fights against people currently in the top fifteen with wow the, because the only person he's fought that has a number or now a letter next to his name it is Francis Naganu because since then everybody he's fought has either retired or been released. And a lot of that is, too, because, you know, there's some bouts with Junior Dos Santos and Alistair Overeem in there who are now not with the company anymore. But, like, yeah, like, he does, he hasn't fought anybody who's still ranked and still relevant. So it's not like there's not fresh matchups for him. But, like, the question is, is, like, you just got knocked silly like that. Like you said, he's got stuff going on in his life. So, like, he doesn't need it because he's seemingly probably made enough in this sport where it's not crazy necessary. And in, in, I guess, you know, always the thing about him that got him back out was he's the world champ. Like, you know, like keep being the world champ. The only thing I can imagine that could get him out is the trilogy fight with Francis. Right. And with the way that this one went, I don't know that the UFC is going to offer him that if he doesn't come out of retirement or, you know, out of retirement. I, I say that like it's a, a foregone conclusion. If he doesn't come out and fight somebody again – before Francis, right? Like, unless he beats Surreal Gain, like, I, I don't see him fighting Francis. Unless he comes out and beats Derek Lewis, I don't see him getting another crack at Francis. And, like, for that reason, that's why I'm leaning towards the fact that I think he might retire. Because, like, is a fight against Surreal Gain with the prospect of possibly getting to fight Francis again enough to get him to go through another grueling training camp? Uh, I don't know that it is in, it sucks to say that, right? It sucks to say like surreal gain isn't enough of a reason for, for Stipe to fight. But, you know, like you said, he's accomplished everything he needs to accomplish. You know, he's had two different title reigns. He's had a trilogy fight with DC, who's one of the greats. And and like, he came out on top two to two to one. So yeah, it sucks to think that, but man, I, I just think given all of those different facets like i think he probably is going to hang it up he is 38 too worth noting yep yeah 39 in a few months in the summer um excuse me knocked out in half of his half of his uh, fight most recent fights he's been knocked out two out of the past four fights too which is of note um also of note is he's someone that ufc or dana white has found quote-unquote um difficult uh, to deal with um in the past um he's because i i think because he um tries to negotiate for actually what he's worth, which UFC does not appreciate. They, they want you to, to take what they give you and be thankful for it. Um, not the most, you know, well-spoken or personable guy either, which, so it's not like the he's, UFC are going to... He's not well-spoken? Over, 
<laughs> even worse after last night, um, sadly, I'm sure. I'm sure. Um, so it's not like the UFC is going to bend over backwards to to give him a uh, you know immediate rematch or anything like that, especially when there's there's bigger fish to fry. So um, maybe other than the hair, the other thing people are talking about, um, and other than him and perhaps reforming REM, the other thing is um, is he the greatest? Is he the goat, or is he just another farm animal? I, I probably think UFC wise, he's, he's probably the goat uh, accomplishment wise. Um, but then there's always, you know, Fade, um, or Fyodor, if you want to say his name properly, um, looming over things. So it's hard to tell, uh, whether he's the greatest of all time, or maybe Dan has a definitive answer for us here. So I don't mean to be mean, but like, and this is going to sound like a trendy thing to say right after he got knocked out. I never thought he was the greatest heavyweight of all time. Like, you're right. If you're looking at, if we're saying greatest of all time by sense of, uh, your list of accomplishments strictly in one promotion. Like, first of all, that's throwing way too many freaking caveats on the expression greatest of all time, right? In sec, you know, it's, that's like saying he's the greatest of all time if we only count Eastern Conference championships in games five through seven. You know, like, and yes, it, it's the biggest promotion in the world, but it, it wasn't always the biggest promotion in the world. You know, so like, that that's one thing. And the second thing is this too, is that like, we have a tendency to be like, oh, the guy who's champ right now is the greatest of all time, right? Like, we're, th- there will be people maybe in two title defenses, right? Like, let's let's see Francis beat uh, John Jones and Surreal Gain back-to-back, and then uh, immediately, immediately people are talking about him as the greatest of all time. And some of the reason for that is just we didn't get to see their downfall yet, right? The, right. The, the whole reason people don't think Fedor is the greatest of all time is like, Oh, we did lose to uh, Matt Mitrione when he was 450 years old and, you know, on his way out. And, you know, oh, his fight with Rampage wasn't pretty. And, like, oh, he did lose to Dan Henderson. That's true. It was all on the way out. If, if we're talking about guys who are the greatest of all time and we want to look at that prime years that they had, I, I don't put Stipe ahead of him. I don't put Stipe ahead of probably – uh, Big Nog, who I don't think gets enough credit for what he did in his amazing uh, Pride runs. You know, like, he beat some dudes in Pride. Like, he beat Kartanov, he beat Heath Herring, he beat Fabrizio Verdum, he beat Mirko Krokop, he beat Rico Rodriguez, he beat Dan Henderson. Like, he beat Bob Sapp back when Bob Sapp used to try. You know, like, he submitted Mark Coleman. Like, in that run, while none of those names mean everything now because we, we watched them all fall and... You know, we watched Gary Goodridge fall and, like, all the other people he beat. Like, that's an amazing freaking run. And, and, like, I would put Big Nogue's career as, you know, or the prime of his career there over Stipe anyway. So when you have those ones and and people like Mark Coleman out there, like, I I think there's probably not, like, you know, Fedor I think is number one. But after that, there's probably not a definitive answer for number two. Uh, and Stipe, I guess, can be in that conversation, but I, don't, I mean, I don't know. Looking back at his career and like that list of wins, you know, nothing jumps off the pages like, oh my god, what a killer! You know, like he he he's good. He's one of the greats, but like, I mean, just to like definitively call him the greatest of all time, nonstop every single time he fights, seems a little heavy-handed. Yeah, Fedor's run lasted um, almost a decade. 
um, it was outside of the UFC, but this was a decade when the best heavyweights were uh, outside of the UFC. Wait, Tim um, Sylvia wasn't the best heavyweight? <laughs> he beat him too. Don't worry about oh, it. Oh yeah, he that's, beat him that's true. In, in inflation. So yes. Um, also, uh, sure, he had some pro wrestlers and and sumo guys, or he, he, he had some joke fights, but he he beat also uh, definitively beat. Um, the, the best that, that there was uh, to offer back in the early aughts. Um, and it doesn't really matter what, what happened to him late in his career. Um, uh, I think what we're both agreeing that Stipe probably is the best UFC heavyweight, you think, or, or not? Yes. It, it, in wise, terms yeah. of just what they did in the UFC, absolutely. Yep. And, yeah, also. Um, although, although now, now that you got me thinking, too, Randy Couture, although maybe I'm, I'm sandwiching a little bit of what he did at light heavyweight, too. So, yes, uh, I'll, I'll bat, walk that back. Yes, Stipe, definitively best UFC heavyweight in terms of resume. And, and I think um, what you mentioned earlier, the, the, the little tidbit that he, Stipe, has not fought anyone in the top 15 currently is – um, doesn't speak well either uh, looking back on his resume because it, it makes it, um, seem whether true or not that he, he met a lot of, a lot of his points were on the downside already and, and on their way out of, out of the sport or at least out of the promotion when, when he faced them. If none of them are, are, are around uh, anymore at this point. Yeah. I, and I think that that's true to an extent. I do think, you know, obviously the, Junior Dos Santos hadn't gone through his full downslide yet because obviously he was still a champ and still able to beat him. But uh, I think Overeem was a little bit, even though he was on a win streak. It wasn't it wasn't pride Overeem, which uh, had something to do with the fact that he was on the downslope of his career and something to do with the fact that um, he was not given the same advantages as he was in the pride era. <laughs> What, they don't have horse meat in the UFC? Is right, that that's all it is, is it's horse meat. Uh, and potatoes. It's definitely not that Pride literally had contracts telling you that we weren't going to drug test you. <laughs> right. No, of course not. But um, also, uh, before we put a bow on this, uh, low-key contender, um, I would say, is Fabricio Verdum. Uh, you can't overlook what he did. Tapped out, um, tapped out Big Nog, tapped out... Um, Fedor tap, tapped out. Um, who else? He tapped out someone else. Cain Velasquez. Cain Velasquez, right? He, he tapped out three, three of the greatest of all time. He, he also lost a bunch of fights too. But um, that's someone to to mention and not to crap all over Stephen Elliott. He actually lost, but um, just look at the run he went on in 2015. Knocked out Mark Hyde. Knocked out Andre Olovsky. Knocked out Fabrizio Verdum. Knocked out Alistair Overeem. Knocked out Junior Dos Santos. Beat Ngano versus uh, via decision. Got got knocked out by Cormier, but then knocked him out in the return fight. Beat him by decision. So he he had a he had a very impressive run there. If if this is the the end of things for him, there's obviously nothing to hang to hang his head about when you mention that list of of names on his on his resume. No, certainly not. And and I don't mean to like write him off as is not being great because I I do did say multiple times in there I do think he's great and one of the greats. It's just hard for me to sit there and look at all of heavyweight history and just be like, oh, because he's better than Tim Sylvia, uh, he must be the greatest of all time. Because, you know, like when we think of greatest of all time, a lot of times our, our glasses just focus on the UFC. And, like, the, you're right, the, the best heavyweight division was not in the UFC 
for most of the, the history of the heavyweight division. Right, exactly. Um, all right, before um, we just uh, before we tell you what's what's going to happen with Francis, because we we have all the answers and we pull all the strings. Uh, let me tell you about BetQL. They, they do have all the answers for you. Uh, looking to get an edge and make smarter bets during March Madness, BetQL's algorithms scan thousands of data points across every game to find the best bets. Easily find the most profitable bets based on their top betting trends. Your brackets may bust, but your bankroll doesn't have to. Head over to BetQL.com to get started today. Head to the App Store or Google Play and download the BetQL app. Bet smarter, not harder. And make sure you use the code MARCH30 for 30% off BetQL for a year. So that's BetQL.com, promo code MARCH30. And they also have my Phoenix Suns favorite I see today. Uh, only by three points in the first half, so definitely get, get in on that. Oh, actually, never mind. You're not going to hear this in time. Um, <laughs> if, you have, if, you have a, if you have a Marty McFly time machine, uh, a DeLorean perhaps, um, and, and you can get it to a certain speed, then yes, go back and bet that, um, bet that game for sure. But uh, all joking aside, they're a very good sponsor, and they offer an awesome service. So make sure you check out all their, all their bets uh, on there. All right, uh, Francis Ngano, the second – um, African-based or African-born UFC champion, uh, or currently, uh, they have a Cameroonian now in him and a Nigerian in, in that, uh, Camaro Usman guy. So that, that's, that's a big deal. Um, you're, you're forgetting UFC. Israel Adesanya too, who's, who's oh, Nigerian. Right, Israel Adesanya. Yeah, yeah, got, he's still a champ. So yeah, yeah. I wasn't even thinking it because he lost his last fight. Yes, that's, maybe they can finally make some inroads in, uh, into Africa. That, that would be nice. But, um, that aside, um, my brother is just, apoplectic that's an awesome word i like saying but he's apoplectic that francis isn't a big isn't a big star and uh none of his fights are hyped up um to the level that they should be he he was he's under the uh he's under, he's under the thought which i kind of agree with but last night's fight should have been one of the biggest fights of all time or all in ufc history and it really was not treated that way and it, there really isn't a buzz around that guy for some reason he's super scary dude uh but knocks people out who can pick up Shaquille O'Neal over his shoulder with ease. Like what, what more are you looking for? And Um, and he's got the, he's got the greatest story in the history of sports, maybe like, right. Like, Mm -hmm. like Mm -hmm. him, his story of like, you know, coming, he, he literally was a sand miner in Cameroon and just decided to leave one day to chase his dreams. And within like five years, he was in a UFC title fight. That, that's incredible. So, like, you're right. He should be a bigger star. Let me ask you this, though. How much of that, the fact that there isn't loads of hype on him right now and there wasn't loads of hype going on in this fight, do you think you can attribute to the fact that when he did have that run of knockouts when he first came to the UFC and then had that Stipe fight and the Derek Lewis fight back-to-back, how much do you think it was people being reluctant on getting back on the Francis Naganu train? Right. I, I don't know if it's people so much as it's the people that matter, the, the UFC uh, or Dana White um, more specifically. Um, he can make um, – say what you want about the guy, but he can, he can make anyone that he chooses uh, a star more, more or less. And if, if he chose to – to hype uh, Francis to, to star levels, he, he could have. But I think he's another guy that he – finds quote unquote difficult perhaps um which uh, which is a shame but uh, i'm thinking um francis's next fight may be uh the one that puts him over over the um over the edge and into the mainstream and and makes him a an actual big huge star because dana white um 
said last night that uh, he said the obvious thing that what we're all thinking that that the obvious next fight to make is uh, Ingana versus Derek Lewis. <laughs> he said that. He yeah, said I, that. I, I I know he said that, but also I'm one thousand percent sure. It's because did you see the tweets of John Jones popping up in the corner during Francis's post fight interview? He, he he said something like, "All right, let's do this." And that tweet popped up, and and Joe Rogan was like, "Oh, look, John Jones is saying he's ready." And then like the immediate tweet afterwards, which the UFC team also threw up there, was like, "After I get paid, of course." It's like, <laughs> like you know, it, it's. It just and, and Joe Rogan like almost sighed when he saw that. Like he, he looked so bummed out. But it's like I, I'm positive that's what Dana is hesitant about saying. I want John Jones next because if he says that, John Jones feels like the ball's in his court. And like John Jones can feel like the ball's in his court. But like at this point in time, like I think after beating Stipe in the way that he did, you know, you said they they don't have the marketing behind him yet. I think after he does that. I think you could sell him against just about anybody, even a rematch with the guy who he fought for the most boring fight ever. I got to imagine that would do well, maybe not as well as John Jones, but the UFC is going to make money, and I don't think they feel like they have to, you know, meet John Jones at any point because, like, like you said, he's another one who Dana White has found ridiculously uh, difficult. But I'll say this too. John Jones should get paid. Like, dude, if you're, gonna, if you're going to step in there and, you know, my, my brother actually texted me this like half an hour ago. He said, I'd want to get paid big before I got murdered as well. Like, he has kids, man. Yeah, like who would want to step in right there against Francis Naganu for a discount after watching that performance? Like, man, you'd have to be insane. So. Yeah, I get it. It sort of sucks that, like, his first tweet afterwards was, like, excusing himself for, like, not immediately accepting the fight. Because, you know, as fight fans, we obviously want to see it. But, uh, you know, I eventually think we are going to probably boil down to Francis versus John Jones. um, Because I think the money will eventually be in a place where John Jones feels good about it. But uh, it might take a while to get there. Um. You've accused Dana White of something really hideous and heinous, which he would, he, which he would never do, which would be negotiate through the press and, and to and to lie and to bury his his uh, contractors. Um, so there's no way he did that. He really means that Derek Lewis is the next fight to make. Um, but as for Jones, yeah, I I think he's misplayed his cards here after seeing Ningana last night. I think he would have been a lot hindsight. He would have been a lot better to. And a lot safer to stay at light heavyweight. Uh, he could have fought um, Izzy already uh, in champ versus champ fight. He probably would have beat him, uh, and then he would have had would have made all, probably just as much money. Um, would have been uh, the fight would have been maybe even more hype than, than the Francis one, or on a similar similar level at least. And he would have got paid, and he would have been considered you know the greatest of all time. Instead, he is going up in weight against a guy who's going to be way bigger than him. Um, probably is going to be is going to be his debut at heavyweight, uh, unless he agrees to take a, a fight before that time, which probably isn't going to be the case. So he's going to be getting used to a, to a new, bigger body, which he's never had before. He's never had to operate in a cage before. Uh, going up against a guy who is seemingly uh, improving by the minute and is just a frightening, frightening man. Um, 
not to not to mention Jones is it's he's past his prime. Um, he, he may not be the uh, oldest guy because he you know his prime started so so young, but he's he's definitely past his prime at this fight. He hasn't looked good in a fight for for quite a while. Um, I'm looking through his resume. I'm trying to see the last fight where really he was like the John Jones of old was what the Cormier fight maybe, which was four years ago, and he got popped for for an accidental uh, drug ingestion. Um, he didn't look real great against Gustafsson, Anthony Smith, Tiago Santos, Dominic Reyes. People think he's he lost a bunch of those fights. So I think all the all the all these factors are are not playing in John Jones's favor heading into heading into this fight if in this proposed fight. Yeah, and and I'm going to turn one of your favorite games around on you. If you're not looking at it right now. No, I'm I just not. I just had a buddy text me the updated lines for a potential Francis Ngannou versus John Jones fight. Do you want to take a stab at where that sure. one would be lined? All right. My brother says if if uh Ngannou is a underdog, he's jumping all over that. Um I'm thinking probably, you know, with with the way he won last night and with it being fresh in people's mind, I'm probably going to say Ningano's a small favorite. Let's say Ningano minus 130. Ningano negative 185. Whoa. And you can get John Jones right now in some books as high as plus 170. Which huh, I guess. Think about the last time you saw John Jones and plus 170 next to each other. Like, yeah. And I think it speaks to what you've said too. Like, He's not old, and he's not, like, incapable of fighting anymore, but, like, the dangerous John Jones is gone, right? Like, the John Jones who wins, like, safe decisions is still the best light heavyweight in the world if he was there. Like, I would still take him to beat Jan Blankovic or rematches against any of the other 30 guys he beat or Yuri Proshaka or any of those guys. I'd still pick John Jones. But the problem is is that he beats all of those guys by staying safe, Right, like in in making sure he doesn't get his head taken off, and he's about to step in with the guy who is most capable of taking any human being's head off in a cage. Like, so you know, like you're 100 percent right. He is just not the scary, dangerous John Jones anymore, and he's on a downturn and like not gone, but gone enough that I would con- be concerned about him in a fight against Francis Ngannou. And um, of note, the new kid on the block, the the new um, flavor, Francis Ngannou, is actually a year older than John Jones, which is uh, <laughs> crazy because uh, just shows how long Jones has been around and is basically still undefeated, um, other than the the DQ loss that he had there. Um, yeah, I like I said, I think he misplayed his cards here, and he's he's gonna bit off more than than he can chew. He never was a knockout artist to begin with, um, and that's. Maybe he'll have big boy strength now that he's he's probably put on forty pounds it seems. Um, but yeah, the other, the other but, thing about that though too is that you're right. He he is he he's never had big knockout power, and maybe he will because he's bigger. But also his fighting style doesn't play to that, right? Yeah, that's like, true. Oblique kicks don't knock you out, right? <laughs> you know, uh, you know, like short elbows, you know, can knock you out, but like you know, probably don't nine times out of ten. So like. Also, his just like the style of which he fights in, in that like inherent safe manner is just not one that's going to knock you out. It doesn't matter if you weigh 300 pounds and throw, you know, big loopy punches the whole time. Like, it's just not, he doesn't fight with a knockout style. So, 
I think you're not going to see a knockout John Jones, regardless of whether or not he got big, unless he like completely changes his style, which also I feel like would be detrimental. Yeah. 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 Too many changes heading into possibly the biggest fight of, of his career. Plus if uh, Francis is going to be throwing leg kicks, uh, even bulked up John Jones has got, got himself some, some chicken legs. Um, or as Ric Flair would say, minuscule calves. So, uh, yeah, I, I don't, I don't see him eating too many of those, those kicks either. So, but regardless of all this, this is, uh, definitely the fight we want to see next, right? Yeah. Oh, definitely. Like, don't get me wrong. I do want to see as well Francis versus Curtis, or, uh, not Curtis Blades again. God, don't give me Curtis Blades again. Um, <laughs> against Derek, uh, Lewis. Derek Lewis again. I also think yeah. the fight with Surreal Gain would be fun because, you know, the the narratives there, they trained together at, at MMA Factory for, you know, kind of a brief amount of time. They weren't actually there together all that long, but they're both French guys or, you know, lived in France for a while. And, like, you know, like that that's for me is, is kind of a fun fight. There, there's a whole lot of fights that will be interesting, right? And, and by the time he's gotten through, you know, two or three of those guys, we'll see new contenders emerge, too. Like, you might see Chris Dawkins rattle off two or three more against the actual contenders in – you know, you might see Tom Aspinall fight somebody a little bit harder than, than Andre Arlovsky and start to feel good about him, too. So after all of that, you're going to see, you know, more contenders. And I'd like to see him against all those guys. But right now, you get it's got to be the John Jones fight. Yeah, it's got to be that for sure. So uh, we've we've gone deep on this because in, in terms of uh, after everything, every, everything fell apart on this card and we ended up with, with 10 fights. That was basically the only fight that really mattered when, when all was said and done. There were other fun fights and stuff that's meaningful, but, but in, in the grand scheme of things, that was the, that, that was the, the big offering at UFC 260. Uh, we will break down the rest of the card, especially since we got most of it right with our predictions. So there's no, no need for us. Oh, to, yeah, we, um, we got Francis Ngannou right, by the way. Like, yeah, so we got that right. Guys, no, we said this yeah. would happen. <laughs> exactly. And we said an early knockout. So hopefully you listen to that, too. I also said it on uh, on Better Than Vegas. So there you go. Actually, that's, I may as well talk about them now. Better Than Vegas. Uh, better Than Vegas. Uh, if you don't know about it, it's like YouTube, but for what hashtag the gens only care about, which is sports betting. Um, and the SGP Sports Gambling Podcast crew are giving out free daily picks over on our Better Than Vegas profile page. Better Than Vegas is always running a ton of free contests as well. They got a ton of free picks and handicappers to check out. Uh, make sure you subscribe to our profile so you don't miss a pick. That's sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash BTV. Sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash BTV. And I, I, got, I got you two winners. My The underdog, which we haven't talked about yet, we got robbed on, but I got you two winners last week. So there you go. And I, I watched Dan's video, but I think I was, I was too taken by, by how handsome he is. I can't remember who he picked. <laughs> I, I went was one yours and a one. winner too? I went one and one. Okay. I did give them uh comma worthy, which was not correct, but I did also give them Miranda Maverick. Um, right. Who, okay. Who was your lock this week? And you know, exactly. I, I poached that and uh, used it for my own game. There you go. So, yeah, you, you can check out the Top Turtle page, too, while you're there. So, um, Also, make sure you check out Better Edge. Better Edge allows you to buy and sell betting positions like a stock market. Since you're buying positions from other sports bettors, there's no house. They're legal in 40, more than 40 states at this point. Post the plays you like and have someone at the Better Edge marketplace take the other side. They have a ton of other fun against the spread picking contests as well. So sign up today at betteredge.com and use promo code SGP. For a free $10 play, that's B-E-T-T-O-R-Edge.com, promo code S-G-P. All right, um, 
not to once again crap over the rest of the the card, but that basically was um what was the main fight uh that mattered last night. Um bit of signif- significance was the uh, elevated uh co-main event which was a welterweight fight between Vicente Luque and Tyrone Woodley. Um somehow less than 4 minutes and it was fight of the night which I don't really agree with, but uh Luque got the job done with uh technically he won with a uh, Bravo choke submission, but really he he knocked out Woodley because Woodley was was on skates for the last what two minutes of that fight maybe. Yeah, and and here's the thing I will say about that fight though is that you're you're right. I, I probably wouldn't give it a fight of the night, especially when there were, were pretty entertaining ones on there. Like I and maybe this is just me being a nerdy ass grappler too, but like I really enjoyed Miranda Maverick versus Jillian Robertson. Uh, I also think Michael Shajak versus Modestus Bukowskis was fun. Robbery. Um, yeah. Um, I probably I, – I originally liked Abu Azigatar versus um, uh, Marc-Andre Berrio, but I would say uh, after Azigatar just, like, pretty much was a grappling dummy for the whole last uh, round, I probably wouldn't give it to that one. But there were, like, l- fun fights in there that you could have given it to – I just don't think that that was the one. But that being said, I want to give Tyron Woodley a little bit of credit here because I think people are crapping on him for losing his third straight one. This is the first time in a long-ass time we have seen Tyrone Woodley go for it, right? He For 75 straight minutes, he's been loading up on a right hand, right? Like for he, all of his fight with, with Usman. All of his fight with Colby, all of his fight with Gilbert Burns, he has been looking like he was thinking about throwing a punch and choosing not to. He threw a whole bunch of haymakers, came out aggressive, came out looking like a Tyrone Woodley who wanted to win a fight does. So, like, you know, people were talking about him retiring after the Gilbert Burns fight because he looked like he didn't want to be in there. He looked like he wanted to be in there. And, yeah, it didn't work out against a dangerous guy like Vicente Luque, but, like, he looked pretty good comparatively. Yeah. Yeah, he, he looked different at least. Um he looked different. Yeah, he, <laughs> well, it's it's true. He he was he was aggressive, um, which didn't do much good. He, he was losing the grappling also, which wasn't a, a good sign for him. And the fact that he got basically knocked out, um, ended up turning like I said, turning into a submission, but he basically got knocked out on his feet multiple times probably, and he is but he's going to be 39 in a couple weeks. So, um, and he's another one of those quote unquote difficult people. I believe Dana White called him the most difficult guy to deal with. So, and and he makes what I think 200 grand flat to fight, and then another 150 grand if he wins. So, I, I don't like coming on here every show and, and calling for people to get fired, but because uh, I'm not sure for people getting fired here. But I'm um, four straight losses. That's I, I see uh, Bellator written all over him at this point. Yeah, if you think that Overeem was a logical cut, which a lot of people do, um, I mean, Woodley is even more logical in that sense. Um, I will say, though, you know, like our, our go-to statement is, right, like, well, Bellator is going to snatch him up because he's an old UFC fighter. I will say there is interesting things going on with PFL, too. Like, I wouldn't be surprised to see him pop up there, especially with, like, a million-dollar prize on the line. 
Like, you know, like a, a fight with, with Rory McDonald might be fun for him now, you know, like even at this stage of his career. So, you know, that's in that division. He probably wouldn't have to fight Rory until the finals, right? Like, because they would make sure that they didn't match them up uh, until then. Um, if he does stay in the UFC, which, you know, I, I think if he comes out with that style, there are people uh, either in the top 15 or on the fringe of the top 15, I think he could actually beat with that style. I'd love to see him run it back with Robbie Lawler. If if they both want to do it one more time and, and put a pin in their careers, win or lose, that wouldn't be a bad retirement fight for both of them, you know, to just do it one more time. And they did give him, the UFC did give him a, a bonus. So maybe he's, you know, maybe he's not uh, the black sheep of, of the family after all. Um, as for Luke I'm um, looking at my performance rankings, which I run on MMA-Manifesto.com. Um, this doesn't really move him up. It may bump him up to seventh or so in, in my rankings to kind of come out for welterweight. But I think, at least in public opinion, uh, this is probably the biggest win of his career and probably will uh, we'll get another another high-profile, maybe more uh, worthy opponent next. Yeah, I think it will. But, like, there's also only so much it can move him up, right? Like, you know, the, the the problem with welterweight has long been that, like, those top guys don't want to fight other top guys. Um, and in addition to that, those top guys also seem to not want to fight guys who um, are are too beneath them. So I, I'm not quite sure what they're, they're looking for other than just to be gifted a title shot, which I guess in fairness for him, Osmondal got. So, um I don't know what you do with, with Luke, right? Like, he already lost to Wonder Boy. There's no way. I mean, maybe Leon Edwards would take that fight. He did just take one with Bilal Muhammad. Um, Gilbert Burns seems to be aiming higher than that. Colby Covington's probably never, ever going to fight again. Um, he's just going to make uh, videos where he pays ladies to dance in them and make commercials for Bang Energy Drink. Um, so, I, I mean, like... Man, what, what do you do with Luke? Like, maybe Michael Chiesa? But, like, even Michael Chiesa seems like he's kind of outgrown Vicente Luque. It's a weird spot for him to be in. He, he could get a higher profile fight in any other division that seems to operate the way divisions should. Right. Um, welterweight is just not that. And all, all that Covington stuff, you, that sounds like a pretty good life. You're, you're ta- ta- talking about, like, like it's the best thing. Uh, I, I, in general... Uh, have to like on social media just like mute Colby Covington oh, yeah. and and the word Colby Covington. Did, I, did you? <laughs> this is not the usual content of this podcast. Did you see the commercial with Bang Energy Drink no. that he is in? He is not even the star of the commercial. He's dressed up like a like a 1950s ice cream truck driver driving like a a Bang Energy Drink ice cream truck and doing like a weird go go dance in it. And he has no lines or anything like that. He just kind of like appears in the background as like a weird ice cream man for energy drinks. And nice. I just like, and they he like posted it and stuff. And I'm like, you're like an extra in a commercial, dude. Like, <laughs> yeah, I've uh, like you. I've I've ignored him since he put on this fake persona of his. So uh, I I'm uh, happily um, happily ignorant to, to all that nonsense. So um, so that pretty much sums up that welterweight fight. Uh, then we had uh, another guy who's almost at the verge of me muting him, uh, Sean O'Malley. Um, yeah, he's got, right there. Yeah, he, <laughs> he, uh, against Thomas Almeida last night in Vandermeer fight, he got about, what, three or four walk-off knockouts before he actually did have a walk-off knockout in the last, what, two minutes of the fight? 
I, I have a question for you. So the, yes. the first one, at least, I actually don't think he had the knockout. Like, I think if he followed No, up, he stunned him. He, he, he stunned him, but he was, like, sitting, in, and, like, even Almeida caught himself with his hands. Right. On, like, right. before he fell down. So, like, he was, he was conscious, ready to go, knew what he was doing as he was falling down. So, like, that definitely wasn't a knockout. Did it feel like Sean O'Malley was trying to create a walk-off scenario? Yes. Yeah, obviously. Because, yeah. Cause, I mean, like, that that's what he is, right? Like, in, yeah. and he's trying to, like, erase the memory of a loss. But much like the aforementioned social media presence that you, you talked about possibly muting, it feels kind of forced, right? Like, it, it felt like it was being forced so that he could be like, oh, I'm back, um, or never left, right, because he's undefeated, according to him. Um, yeah, and, and it – you know, don't get me wrong, he, he looked good enough to beat Thomas Almeida, who is now 1-5 in five in his last six. Um, but, like, yeah, I, I wasn't super impressed, and I also thought the style was kind of off-putting, that he was, like, trying to create something that wasn't there. Yeah, he tried to create it multiple times. That, that was the problem. Uh, he, yeah. he he probably could have had it the first time if he, if he went in and finished, finished the job. Uh, I wonder how much um, – it wasn't Herb Dean uh, <laughs> in that fight. Um, <laughs> but I wonder, uh, I wonder how much – uh, even maybe even um, subconsciously, uh, um, not knowingly, um, this affects uh, referees calling the fight. If a guy is like trying to force them to to stop a fight before they're comfortable, I wonder if it forces their hand the other way and makes them you know dig their heels in and say no, you have you have to do more. I wonder if, if that comes into play at all. Yeah, I don't know, and it did seem like the last one almost was a little gratuitous, which maybe that's why. Um, but I don't think it was like I don't think it was like all time bad. No, no. Right, like it, it it doesn't go up on that list of those ones recently where we're like, dude, Herb, why are you making Amanda Hiva stand up? Like, dude, don't do it. Um, there was a worse one but, uh, last night. Worst one on the card also. So <laughs> it wasn't even the worst one last night. So which uh, one was the worst? I, I, I think Abu. Oh, uh, the Abu Aziatar. Abu Aziatar should have. He, he basically passed out on his feet or something. They claim he's trying to pick up his, his mouth guard, but no, he just kind of, the top half of his body stopped working. <laughs> he, he slumped like over. And, shutting down. Yes. <laughs> and he's, the ref still let him fight for another, what, 10 minutes after that yeah. and, and get destroyed. So I, I think that, that was the worst stoppage in my eyes. At if least. he was bending, if he was bending over to pick up his mouth guard, he was out of it enough to think that that was an okay. Idea. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you're right. You're right. That was the worst stoppage. Yeah. Um, and, and I think for all those reasons that we just mentioned, not to, to get it back to Sean O'Malley. Right. I think that's part of the reason why I'm shocked he got a performance bonus in yeah. all of that. Yeah, and good. maybe the UFC seems him as, like, a golden goose to, like, capture the Twitch crowd. Yeah. Right? Like, especially now that they got, like, a partnership deal with Twitch and all that kind of stuff. But, like, maybe they think that he's the right kind of in to get whatever you call that market now. Um, that they want to, like, prop him up. But at the same time, like, how do you give it to him instead of... You know, I give Vicente Luque's finish better. Alonzo Menafield became the fourth guy ever to hit a Von Flew choke. How do how do you how do you give it to a guy? Jamie Malarkey starts comma worthy like right. pad yep. in like in forty six seconds, and somehow the guy who's probably making what fifteen k to show uh, didn't get the performance bonus, and and I'm sure O'Malley's making much more. And you can certainly find out at MMA-Manifesto.com. <laughs> there you go. Um, and uh, you know, like he still gets the performance bonus. That that bothered me a little bit. Yeah, yeah. 
and yeah, I, I, um, O'Malley, he's a good fighter. Um, definitely, uh, he's well trained. Is he still at MMA Lab, or has he branched out to to somewhere else? So it's weird. So the MMA Lab had a weird thing go on recently, and I don't quite know how to to capture it all. But like, yeah, uh, when Eddie Cha left MMA Lab, he went to Fight Ready, which is also in Arizona. And it's where uh, Henry Cejudo trains. And a couple of guys decided that they cared more about working with Eddie Cha than they did working with John Crouch. Right, so, okay. you know, you saw guys like Hunter Azure leave. I think Drakkar Klosla might have been in that, that camp as well. But there seems to not be a lot of hostility around it. And then there's this weird thing with O'Malley where it seems like he's almost like training with Tim Welsh and both of those guys. And John Crouch sometimes and... Uh, I think maybe still Eddie Chop, but it seems like he's sort of like created his own weird camp. Okay. Um, so I think he's technically still MMA lab, but I don't see him ever posting like a picture in the MMA lab. Right. So I, I guess the, the long answer there is I don't know what Sean <laughs> O'Malley is doing and I almost maybe don't want to. Yeah, that's, that's <laughs> true. Um, this is the man who, who thinks he, he can take heroin and not get addicted because he's not dumb. Yeah. So this is, uh, this is quite, while, quite a guy. While holding, his, while holding his, like, one-month-old child. That's true. Child. That's true. Um, putting all that aside, uh, what I was getting <laughs> at is, is he is well-coached, um, even if it's a hybrid, uh, which seems to be what a lot of fighters are moving towards is, like, a hybrid-type camp with, you know, why not, especially if there's a bunch of – good coaches and camps in the, in your area. Why not um, custom make your own, uh, your own fight camp. But what I'm saying is uh, his fight style is very uh, unique for Bantamweight. He's very long. Um, he hits extremely hard for like knockout power does not usually translate to, to the lower weight classes and, and his does um, but pretty decent at, at avoiding getting struck. So, you know, he, he's, he's a good fighter. Um, he's probably going to get, more than he deserves his next fight, which which may not be good for his career. Because uh, looking once again, looking at these performance rankings, I update after every fight. He's you know he's still in like the he hasn't even cracked top twenty in my rankings yet. But I wouldn't be surprised seeing him you know heading into the top fifteen in the UFC rankings um, come next go around, and uh, him getting probably more than he deserves his next fight. So what I'm saying is, uh, hopefully he doesn't get pushed too fast because he's still quite young. And obviously he's he's very immature uh, at this point, um, but uh, I, I think I think he could have a future in this sport. Yeah, I, and I think too, like so, I don't think he's going to be ranked in the the UFC top fifteen coming into the next cycle. And I can tell you that there's at least one panelist who doesn't have him in the top fifteen um, who will remain nameless. Um, but in addition to that, too, like you know, the loss to tomorrow in Vera, who right now is not ranked either. Like, it's going to keep him – I think it's going to keep him out. Um, and a win over a guy who, like I said, has, like, one win in his last four years or five years or something like that certainly doesn't do it for me. I do think, though, that he is better than that loss. You know, like, you know, all all kind of nonsense aside about him being undefeated. And, yeah, maybe he still would have lost to Marlon Vera. But, like, that loss made him look a lot worse than I think he actually is because he is uh, a talented striker. Yep. Um. I will say uh, Adam Martin threw this out on Twitter, and I was all over it until I reminded my uh, reminded him that uh, they, they trained together. Him versus Kyler Phillips would be a ton of fun. Yes, it would. Yeah. Um, which which is probably why they train together, right? Because like yep. they they are both really good, and they both learn from one another. 
But, like, yeah, I think you're right. Like, I hope they don't rush him. I could totally see them booking him with, like, Dominic Cruz. Yeah. And, and like, it just being too much for him. Yeah. Right? Like, it, it wouldn't be surprising if Dominic Cruz, uh, his funky style, just, like, threw him off and he got out-wrestled in, in like, a prospecty looking loss. So, yeah, I, I hope you're right. I hope they don't rush him um, because he is a little bit immature and underdeveloped. But yeah. I, I guess we'll see. Yeah, I like to see him – get one more fight before he starts like the top of, of fight night card um, trajectory, which it looks like he's, he's headed towards, but I, I, I can see him headlining a card next, next time out. Um, I don't think he should, but I, I can see it happening. So um, like I said, ho- hopefully he has at least one more fight uh, under his belt before he hits, uh, hits that level at least. Um, all right. Th- let me tell you about our last couple sponsors. And then we will rip through the rest of, of the card and we'll, uh, We'll call it a day because we're coming back at you in a few days again now that we're twice a week. Uh, let me tell you about Odds Crowd. Hopefully you entered the Odds Crowd contest for March Madness for your chance to win $8,000. Odds Crowd has plenty of free contests, including a $500 weekly contest and a $2,000 season-long MLB contest. And Odds Crowd isn't just fantasy betting contests. It's a social app built just for sports bettors. Free to download. You can live group chat with other bettors, track your bets, set up private betting contests with your buddies, and much more. So download the app for free. Or go to sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash odds. That's sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash odds. And we are also brought to you by pickswise.com. Helmed by a team of trend-watching, data-devouring, sports-fanatic wise guys giving you the who, how, and why behind every prediction on every game, every day, and every sport, all for free. Pixwise presents the Capper Contest to follow with the likes of John Rothstein, Rashad Phillips, Jeff Nadu, and six other experts all competing for a $10,000 winner-takes-all prize. Follow the action for their free picks and analysis every day of the big dance by visiting pickswise.com slash march-madness. That's pickswise.com slash march-madness. All right, well, we've hit on a lot of the rest of the, the cards brief, uh, rest of the last night's card briefly. Uh, Miranda Maverick uh, looked like the way I was hoping she would look. She looked fantastic against uh, Jillian Robertson. Robertson had, had a round, uh, which... Well, technically, she didn't even win that round on a couple of a uh, couple of judges' cards. So I, I thought she won round two with her grappling, but yeah, Maverick looks like she's going to be a force in here. She's another one. I hope they don't don't rush um, too much in the flyweight division, which is a uh, rather you know weak um, or shallow division at the very least because it's still rather new. Um, performance ranking wise, this wins putting her into looks like the top twelve or you know top ten to fifteen range for Maverick. So. Um, should be seeing a number beside her name probably in the official rankings also. A um, couple things. Um, hopefully she can stay at Flyweight because it looks like they were in two different weight classes last night, her and Jillian Robertson. Uh, Maverick is very, very muscular for the weight class. And um, secondly, I hope she is not rushed up too quickly because, like I said, it's a shallow division. Um, I don't want to see her, you know, fed to Valentina Shevchenko any anytime soon. I, I agree with you on that, but also, like, so I would say a couple of things. First of all, yeah, she did look amazing, and the most amazing part of it for me was, yes, yeah, she did, in my, on my scorecard and one of the three judges, lose a round to Jillian Robertson, but, like, she lost that round due to, like, grappling counters, and the other two rounds she won despite attempts at grappling counters. Yeah. So, like, she went in there with maybe the best jiu-jitsu practitioner in the division, pure jiu-jitsu, right? Like, we're not talking about you know, adding wrestling or we're not talking about adding this or that. Like, pure jiu-jitsu style, Jillian Robertson is probably the best at flyweight. And she still took two out of three rounds with her 
almost in that arena for two of them. So, you know, like I'm, I'm really impressed with their jujitsu. I agree with you that I don't want to see her fight Valentina <laughs> at least in the next year or two. But like, as far as like not rushing her up, I actually think she beats a lot of the people just inside of the top 10, right? Like, I, I mean, I, I don't mean to, I don't mean to disparage some of those names and, and you know, I'm like a Roxanne Matafari fan, but like, do you not think she would demolish Roxanne? Yep. Because I do. I think she'd hurt her. Yep. Um, do you not think she'd beat Jessica I? Probably, yep. I, I do. And, like, even names like Joanne Calderwood, who is seemingly just got herself a number one contender fight. Yep. You'd at least have to pause and think about it. Yeah, just just the, right, like, just the physicality of her uh, alone. Um, like I said, it make you think. Yeah, like it looks. They they were two different weight classes last night. Basically, when you when you're looking at at the two of them fight, and the striking didn't look bad either. No, like it, it didn't look world class, right? Like she didn't look like she was ready to go out there. This is why we're saying she's not ready for Valentino Shevchenko, but like she looked like she might be ready for somebody like Joanne Calderwood, and yeah. I hope they don't give it to her yet. Like, they let her get one or two more in there against somebody like Roxanne Matafari or Antonina Shevchenko or, like, somebody right. like that. Yep. But, like, man, they could rush her. Like, it, it might not be the – it might not end in tragedy if they did. That's true. I and mean, she may not want to be rushed either because she, what, is only 23? her PhD yeah. real – and she's getting her PhD yeah. real quick in – in industrial psychology, yes, I believe? Yes, industrial slash organizational psychology at ODU, Old Dominion. So, yeah, um, she's got a lot a lot going for her. Um, but I see bright things uh, for her in her future, assuming she can stick at, at flyweight. That, uh, they said she had a tough weight cut, but I think she was one of the first people that weighed in. So I, I don't know if that really is true because most – most things they like to create narrative. Yeah, I was gonna say <laughs> most things you hear on the telecast uh, aren't true anyhow. So, um, and hopefully this, uh, I'm sure it's not uh, because Jillian uh, Robertson's um, first part of her career, she was stuck on one of those horrendously crappy uh, Ultimate Fighter contracts, so she's barely making any money even at this point. Even though she's, I, I think they said last night she's had the most fights in the flyweight division uh, in the UFC's history. Um, hopefully this doesn't spell the end for her after two straight losses. I'm sure, sure it doesn't. She's only 25, almost 26. Um, she just got stuck with uh, with a tough matchup. Um, she obviously yeah, has to think work too, in striking. I, I think, too, with, with Dean Thomas being right. her corner person and Dana White loving Dean, yeah. right? Like, she, like, individually works with Dean as part of his, like, new, like, hybrid camp system thing that he does. It's, like, her and Shorty Torres from Brave CF. Um, and, like, so I, I think she's both being young, willing to fight whenever she wants, has Dean Thomas, who, who Dana White loves. Like, I don't think she's going anywhere. No. I think you're going to see her probably three more times this year. Yeah. No, she um, – well, one thing uh, going against her, she's uh, got one of those faces and complexions that get marked up uh, easily in fights, which, which when a lot of women's uh, lighter weight fights go go to a decision that that uh, plays into the judges uh minds unfortunately and she got you know her eye got <laughs> messed up last night against Maverick so yeah she's got that pale Canadian yes exactly yes <laughs> uh, even though she's been in Florida most of her life it seems like but yes living in igloos for the first part of your life uh not seeing the sun for for uh 11 months of the year yeah you end up end up being quite pale um so um, the other main uh, pay-per-view opener, uh, which was 
surprising this is on a pay-per-view, but this is what we ended up with, was uh, Jamie Malarkey starched comma worthy in less than a minute. We already went through that. I didn't mind getting that pick wrong because uh, it meant that Dan was wrong also, and Dan, Dan was wrong <laughs> with, with his lock, which which was all, all the more sweeter. Um, the uh, main event of the prelim portion, Alonzo Minifield made very quick work of Fabio Schrant. Uh, not really much to say there. Schrant had cool hair. Um yeah, Minifield got off the schneid and back in the win column, but, you know, uh, obviously th- that was a mismatch. Um, Sharon taking that fight on, on short notice, not surprising that that happened to him. Yeah, I'm a little bit I'm a little bit concerned about him, though, because he came in, like, being billed as a grappler. And, right. like, y- you know, I- I've done, you know, I'm a jiu-jitsu purple belt, for those of you who don't know, so I've, like, oh, I've done plenty of grappling. Ooh, look at me, yeah. Um, I- I've done plenty of grappling in my life, and, like, one of the first things they teach you about going for a guillotine is when they pass the side control, you let it go. And he just held on. And I, I heard afterwards he said something about possibly having a broken rib and, yeah. like, that um, made it so he didn't perform well. But, like, I don't know why having a broken rib would make you hold on to a yeah, guillotine technique. when you know you're supposed to let it go. Right, right? Like, right. And if anything, like, holding an awkward angle guillotine – would I, I would assume would hurt your ribs more, right? Like especially if somebody's bearing weight down on you. So I don't know how that would help. So like it's like a weird excuse and bad grappling from a guy who, you know, I said when when we broke down the show and he was coming in on short notice, I said that's the thing he's got going for him, right? Like grappling, and he that was bad. That that's definitely an alarm for uh, when he fights next time. And no. No, before you ask, I'm not going to do the alarm sound. <laughs> oh, that's right. The alarm sound from a few weeks ago. Our, our old school listeners will remember that. Um, and not, Man of Field's not exactly a grappler. That's only his, his second submission win uh, out of his 10 wins. So uh, someone who is a grappler but decided to prove that he was a, uh, a striker was Abubakar Nurmagomedov, who, who pieced up Jared Gooden, had him on skates a few times in that fight, and really only relied on his wrestling once uh, in, in the final round. But he, he looked uh, he looked pretty good. We weren't super high on him heading into that fight, but he, he got the job done last night. Yeah, he looks – Um, and I guess maybe one of the reasons we weren't real high on him is because every single fight we've seen out of him uh, in his recent fights, his PFL fights, the one fight he did have in the UFC, you know, half a dozen years ago or however long ago it was – that that fight for me was always you know we were always worried about the fact that he might not be able to strike and hey look he he can strike he's yep. he's phenomenal yep he looks very very good there uh, and then the robbery uh, at least I think it's a robbery and looks like everyone on MMA decisions thought it was robbery but uh, light heavyweights our boy Modestus Bukowskis lost a split decision to Mikhail O. Liak Shuck, um, whose name I butchered, but I, he doesn't deserve me to say it correctly because he's not as handsome as our boy Mozdestis, and and he lost that fight. Yeah, uh, I agree with you, M- Michael Olshayshuk. Oh, yeah, that's right, Olshayshuk. Uh, yeah, right. that's right. I got I got the uh, Polish pronunciation here. Yeah, I think he lost too, and and it, it was close. I will say I'm not gonna you know throw a yeah, yeah. and say robbery, but like but like. He lost that fight. It, it, I'm saying robbery because we had him at plus 155. Um, and uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, we we need the, all those underdogs. That was the only, only underdog we had picked last night. We needed that to come through, and it didn't. But no, uh, I I also had. It, oh, we're that's right. Talk about in a second. Abu is the yeah, yeah. yeah but we already, we don't have to talk about that again. We we already talked about that. But um, yeah, Bukowskis. Uh, I I thought he looked pretty good. I think he still has you know. A, a decent future. Hopefully, um, hopefully this doesn't 
put him two losses in his first three. Hopefully that doesn't put him on the outs or anything, but I, I think he still looks pretty decent in there for a young guy. Yeah, I think he's really good too. Yeah. And, and, you know, that other loss is to Jimmy Crew. Just true. Like if yeah. you're writing a guy off of at a loss to Jimmy Crew, you're a cruel, cruel, cruel human. Yes. And a uh, fight that we didn't think or we weren't sure what was going to happen actually happened. Uh, Omar, Omar Morales looked good. He beat Shane Young. Uh, he blanked him a three rounds to none in a featherweight fight. Um, he, he looked good. I don't know. Not really much else to say about that one, unless you have any uh, any in depth analysis on that fight. Now, the only thing I will say is, uh, you know, Omar Morales obviously moved down to 145 despite being undefeated. He lost his first fight down there. It's good to see him get on the winning track here at featherweight. But I will say, I have been uh, kind of underwhelmed by his performances at 45. Yeah. I kind of wish he'd go back to 55. It seems like he's trying to conserve energy down there, or maybe is you know, a touch more tired in the late rounds, yeah. maybe has a little bit less punching power, assuredness in his punching power. So, yeah, I, I think ultimately 55 is probably the right move for him. All right, well, listen up, uh, Omar Morales. Uh, get on some of those uh, special potatoes, like our our uh, the first fight of the night guys had Marc-Andre Barriol, um destroyed Abu Azitar. Um, and with someone who has... Uh, a certain MMA manager uh, cornering him, I, I couldn't uh, be happier uh, to see him get destroyed in the fight. That's all, all yeah, I have to say I'm, I'm never, I'm, I'm never all that jacked up on, um, jacked up. <laughs> I'm never all that jacked up on guys who've had uh, two year USADA suspensions yeah. and seem to um, have no answer for yeah. it. Like, you know, him and TJ Gillishaw sort of fall into that. And apart from that, there aren't really very many people who have, not been able to prove that it was a tainted supplement or at least come up with an excuse that is remotely viable. So for the fact that, you know, he's just like, oh, yeah, I've been doping, essentially. Um, and I'm sure he had some BS excuse in there, like it was tainted potatoes or yes. whatever. But, um, yeah, like I, I, you know, more so than the manager thing, because everybody's got a manager. And while maybe his is not my favorite no. to work with of all time um, and maybe have some sketchy past, um, ultimately, like the fighters are just – you know, they're not all in love with their manager. They're going to the person who can get them the most money and take care of them. So, um, and he seems to be able to do that with his, his clients quite well. So I, I don't necessarily judge any of the fighters for that, but I do judge the fighters for clearly uh, juicing pretty heavily, which it seems like he was. And without that juice, he seems to get tired very yes. quickly. And Dan, Dan's being <laughs> diplomatic. Well, he's always diplomatic, but he, uh, he, he uh, has to line up interviews for his other uh, podcasts. So he, he has to be careful who, who he uh, besmirches on, on this one. So I, I don't have to worry about interviewing people at this point. So, <laughs> so that basically puts that to bed. Um, fun night uh, fights. Um, and we actually have a whole week off now before um, or uh, before another fight card. The next fight card is April 10th. Uh, an afternoon um, afternoon card, UFC on ABC. is on primetime TV, Till versus Vittori, uh, which is another um, makeshift UFC main event that they had to just put together um, last minute. So obviously we'll break that down soon. Um, for the next... So that means the next two shows, we don't have any fights we have to either review or break down. So I'm thinking we have two options. I'll let Dan decide. Either option one is we just do all our ad reads, and then that's it. Show's <laughs> over. Option two is uh, we spend the two shows um, doing in-depth breakdown on uh, Jake Paul versus Ben Askren, uh, their boxing match coming Ooh. up. 
Man, I am going to go option C. <laughs> I actually just want to spend an entire episode reading the fine print on it. All right, yeah. Oh, we can do that. <laughs> See how fast we can read them. So, yeah. So, all joking aside, we always our uh, long-term listeners, which probably, our mothers, I guess, probably would, would be the only ones to fall into that uh, category. But other than that, um, we we always bring in the goods, whether there's fights or not. So we will have plenty to talk about. There there is a Bellator event coming up next weekend. Um, with probably the best, possibly the best fighter not currently in the UFC fighting on it. So, um, pit, yeah, Pitbull headlining. So, so we have that talk about, and there's always um, lots of happenings in the in the MMA world. So we will we will get you covered. If there is any questions you want covered or topics you think you'd like to hear us discuss, uh, you can hit us up on Twitter. I'm Jeff Fox writer, and he is Gumby Vreeland. Um, we have lots of fun on fight nights on on Twitter. Um, Usually only if one of us is doing poor compared to the other one. Um, if, if we're both doing poor, then it's not that much fun. So um, luckily we usually have at least a couple of fights that we differ on and one of us can crap all of, over the other one on Twitter. So that's always fun. Um, in the meantime, make sure you check out all the rest of our stuff at sportsgamblingpodcast.com. Um, we got lots of stuff on there. I, I added a bunch of the sports on there. Uh, Dan's been doing lots of writing on college basketball. He's been doing some baseball writing on there. Um, I, I cover the NBA sometimes on there. Uh, basically, we cover every sport. Uh, so definitely check out that. Uh, if you're just into the MMA, obviously I'll have MMA on there all the time. But if you're just into MMA, you can check out my MMA website, MMA-Manifesto.com, which Dan uh, writes for also. The main draw there is is all the fighter payouts and salary stuff, which which I have. And I have formulas to calculate the ones that aren't actually released, so um, you can check out there. But remember, they're only estimates, so don't come at me, tell me I'm putting false information out there because I I very clearly state these are estimates on on their pay. Um, other than that, I have you know performance rankings, which I've mentioned. Dan does very good breakdowns on uh, underdogs for you to bet on and on you know breakout potential breakout stars. Uh, on an upcoming card, so we've got lots of good stuff there, so make sure you check that out, and listen to Dan's podcast, um, Top Turtle MMA and Prelim Picker. Who do you have on Top Turtle this week? Do you have it, it in the can yet, or do you know who's going to be on making appearances this week? I know within the next two weeks, you are going to hear Hunter Azure at some point in time, who's going to be fighting Jack Shore, and you're going to hear John McDessey. I'm unsure if that's this week or next week. We're shuffling a couple of people around, but those two for sure are going to be on pretty soon. Um, and you may hear some fighters who've had uh, longer layoffs, uh, but that is uncertain right now, so we will not disclose. All right, there you go. So uh, he's, he's teasing you, so make sure you do listen to that. Um, I guess that's probably all we got to say in the meantime. Thank you for listening, all 3.75 billion of you. Uh, and until next time, make sure you let it ride.